0: All right, everyone, welcome back to another exciting and engaged episode here with Leader Seeds Podcast. I'm always excited that you're joining in and you're joining us, whether that's in route or you're in action, you know, at work or at home. I just want to say thank you for joining us today. Today's conversation is going to be, once again, high impact and I want to say healthy on two ends because. We're talking to a friend that I just got a chance, and I'd say friend. I just met him, but I say friend because there's so much things that align when what he shared and the experience that he went through. Um, I'm really excited for the conversation that we had before today, and what you'll get a chance to listen in today. We're talking to Mark Hirschberg, and Mark is an author, a university instructor, a startup executive, and I'll let him share a little bit more of what he's doing. But I want you to, I want to share a little insight if you're listening in, and I'd say, make sure you got something to write with today. Take notes, what you're gonna learn today, what Mark will share with you today, you definitely wanna capture not just hear about it, but you wanna capture it today. So with that being said, Mark, thanks for joining us today. How are you today? Thanks for having me on the show. I am doing great outstanding outstanding i'm doing great too it's a great day it's a beautiful day outside actually when i went outside the the weather's nice and that always kind of helps out right if you could kind of share with everyone here a little bit of maybe what you're working on currently
1: Sure, as you mentioned, I've built a lot of startup companies. I've been teaching at MIT for 20 years and I have the book that came out earlier this year. So I'm spending a lot of time focusing on promoting the book doing virtual and in-person events, speaking and virtual book tours. I have the app that goes along with the book and I'm currently turning that into a more general version for other authors. I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. And then I'm doing fractional CTO work. Companies hire me when they say we know we need technical help. We don't necessarily we don't necessarily need someone of your caliber or can't afford some of your caliber full time. But if you can come in one day a week or 15 hours a week to spend with us, please help us to go in the right direction and get things on track. So that's what I'm focused
0: on this year. Wow, that's um. Thank you for sharing that. That's exciting, and I can imagine how much uh, intention. That is taking you. I want to say intention and attention. It's taking your schedule right now because you mentioned a book, you mentioned an app, you mentioned these podcast recordings and speaking events, and you know there's different ways that you're putting tools together. And some people just say, "I'm working on a book this year," you know. But you're actually getting the chance to, you know, kind of kind of purpose um, re- resource it again, you know, over and over again in different ways to package different people. Um, a really, I say, a great way of serving a lot of people seeing the content that has helped you and different people, but packaging that appropriately. Um, So a lot of work, a lot of busy days, but you even shared that you kind of thrive in that busy um, scenario, correct?
1: I like busy days. I like days where I am active and engaged. As long as I have some time for that free thought, for that big picture thinking, but then I feel very, very energetic when I have a lot to do and I'm getting things done.
0: That's interesting that you mentioned that because um, a few other people I just recently talked to mentioned that also, it's like, they look forward to the busy because like how you say there's, they make time and intention for that free thought, you know, they make space for that time to not be busy. And therefore it's like that little bit of pocket time that they took that was intentional really prepares them for everything else that they face throughout the day. You know, it's not, when we say busy, I used to think younger, it was like, you know, from from beginning to end, wake up to, to your eyes closed, just nonstop busy, but really being intentional by having that time, however it's done by taking that free thought space, right?
1: Absolutely. And that leads us into one of the first things that you can do as a new manager. It's that your job is suddenly going to be very different. When you were an individual contributor, you're focused on doing, you're focused on turning that crank, creating those financial reports, writing the code, whatever it is that you happen to do, you do that day in, day out. When you are a manager, yes, you might still be hands-on. You might be building those reports or writing some code, but there's a bunch of other things you have to do. You're suddenly in a lot more meetings. You're suddenly meeting with other people and you're doing hiring and you're doing performance reviews and just checking in on people and you're involved in meetings with other departments. And so your day becomes a lot choppier. And you go from having two, three-hour chunks of time to get your work done to half-hour blocks of time, maybe an hour. And we talk about flow state in the workplace. Flow state, if you're not familiar with it, is a concept of being focused on your work. If you've ever played sports or done music and you feel in the zone, you just feel it's just everything's coming together, that's flow state but doesn't happen instantly. And when we work, when I walk out of that conversation with you and now I have to focus on getting my work done, well, I still have what just happened with you in my head. I have to shift focus to get into that flow state to do my job and right as I'm getting into it and studies put it at 15 minutes, sometimes they even say longer, Well, all of a sudden someone pops their head in my office or I have an email or time to go to another meeting, boom, there goes the flow state. So as managers, we have a much chappier schedule, and our job is first to protect the schedules of those on our team so they can get the longer periods of time and have that flow state, and then to carve out some flow state for ourselves so we can get larger chunks of work done and not just jumping from phone call to email to meeting, but actually thinking about those bigger picture things.
0: Wow. um Wow. Thank you for for jumping in and I love how the conversation went to flow state, which is I like to kind of maybe have a few follow up questions with that because for those listening in that might be a new term, but I but it'd be interesting when we can learn that maybe it's not a new practice. You know, Maybe it's something that, that just happens accidentally, and if we're more intentional with it, we'll see the benefits in our managing and directing. So today's conversation is directly um, like, like how Mark mentioned, if you're a manager or a director and you're responsible for people, whether you're just starting or you've been in, in for a while, there's a certain amount of time restrictions that you start to know, right? You gotta get more done because you got people in the same amount of time. Like, how does that happen, right? How do we get more done with the same amount of time? Well, that's with people, but also learning an essential skill. And one, like how Mark just talked about with flow state. So maybe explain a little bit more in flow state. Let me let me see if I'm understanding it correctly, Mark. What flow state, when you explained it, is it has to do with where our thoughts are focused?
1: I don't know if there is a great definition of what exactly you're doing, but mm-hmm. we've all had that experience where sometimes you're working and it, the work is just flowing out of you, right? You're just having that really good, I'm being super productive, I am focused on it, but I'm also accomplishing a lot. And again, if you've played sports, you just had like every pass connects, you're always in the right spot at the right time, it just feels great. When you fall out of it, well then it might be if you are super distracted, if your thoughts are scared and everywhere, you're certainly, you won't be in flow state if that's the case, You just might not be in flow state if you just can't seem to get into it for whatever reason, maybe some consciously you're not focused, you're feeling kind of off or icky, or, you know, oh, I've got this big meeting coming up in an hour and yeah, I'm trying to do my work, but mm, I just have this meeting hanging over my head. All these things can take you out of your flow state. And so Mm -hmm. what you want to do, because flow takes time to get into, but is interrupted in a second. The moment your phone rings, the moment something happens, you're out of flow state. So you want to carve out chunks of time. And what I and many other executives do is we actually block off time on our calendar. You can't schedule a meeting with me. No, I'm not free because this is my time to really focus on these bigger issues, to think through what is the strategy for the next year, or how do I really come up with a plan for this project I just need to kind of focus on that and not have 17 distractions. And so you can do this by just blocking off time. You can do this for your teams, by the way, by blocking off time for them. I've actually had quiet hours on some of my teams. We said during this period, you cannot schedule a meeting. You should not even be talking to other people. You can send them an email. Just don't expect them to respond because they're not reading emails. They're doing their work. And the only reason you could possibly interrupt someone during this time if there's a major emergency. I work in technology. If a server crashes, okay. But otherwise, each person can focus on their own work and know they don't have distractions or interruptions and it gives them a chance to get in and work in that flow state.
0: So well, it seems like a win-win. I love that. Thank you for, for for guiding us through that explanation because that helped me clarify. I think when I was when I thought I understood it before. Um, I, I was reminded that I actually, it was different. So it's not just about not just about focusing on certain thoughts. One thing I wrote down when you said it takes time to get into and it's interrupted in a second. And you gave a good example about how you make time to take time to get into it. You know, you understand their principles. So you're making time to protect that, you know, that kind of mental space and just that flow state. And and at the end, when, when you mentioned it was so, I, I just thought win-win because as a manager or director, if, you, or if you're helping your team, first of all, if you're making it for yourself and then you're helping your team stay in flow state, they're more productive. They're getting much more done. You know, the creativity is flowing, they're in their strength and they're, they're, there's greater momentum. And at the same time, it's better for you, right? Because you're in momentum too. You know, we're not running around putting out fires or, you know, like the old saying with a chicken, you know, cut off their head. We think motion, it's like the difference between motion because sometimes motion and organization seems productive, but you go home drain and really nothing move forward. You know, so as a manager or director that can be eventually like we say high impact and healthy, that's the goal here in the podcast, that that eventually can be unhealthy because we seem productive. There's a lot of motion going on, but we're running on a trip and nothing's getting done because nobody's in flow state. So flow state is in a sense where you're kind of that, like you said, that athlete that just taking a shot and it's just bucket bucket on the shot. And you know, and it's like you see it is just kind of naturally happening even in the workplace. Is that correct?
1: That's exactly right. And there will be plenty of periods where you might have 30 minutes between meetings as you walk out from one, oh, you gotta send Zach that report. And then you gotta quickly return the call. And in those 30 minutes, don't even think about getting into flow state. It's let me check some emails, let me just mention this to Barbara and just do a bunch of those little items, not big flow state issues because that's a lot of our day as managers as well. But we recognize there are some big chunks we'll have to set aside in the week. And then the rest of the week will be just these small tasks or just things we have to get done, but they don't necessarily require the flow state.
0: You know what, just popping in my mind right now, we, we on a separate conversation, we're talking about the importance of decision-making and leadership. And this is connecting right now when you're mentioning flow state. I'm curious, question just popped up, live question just came in my mind would would being in flow state help you make better big decisions? Because as you grow in leadership, you face greater decisions that impact more people. So if we don't make time to be in flow state, then would that kind of hinder our decision-making?
1: Absolutely. Flow state can either be used for productivity. Again, if you're doing that big report, if you're an artist or creative person, You need that time to just really say, what is I'm trying to come up with? But those of us on the business side, that big decision, if I'm just trying to figure out when are we scheduling the holiday office party? I don't need to be in flow state. I look at the calendar. Okay, this date looks like it's good for people, fine. But when I'm trying to think, hey, do we want to invest $5 million to expand to Europe? And if so, do we do that in Q1 or Q3? That's not an easy question. I can't just find that open spot on the calendar. And I have to think through a whole bunch of different issues. I have to focus on what are financials like? What are the risks? What are the opportunities? What does this mean for marketing, for engineering, for legal? I'm trying to keep a whole bunch of different thoughts in my mind. It's a very big picture. I need to be focused on it. I can't do that in small five minute increments. Mm -hmm. I have to do that in a really big sit down, don't distract me chunk. So it's okay to block off times on your calendar for these big decisions.
0: I love that that topic came up. I'm really excited because it it really increases this topic of flow state. You know, whether you're listening to this podcast and maybe it's the first time you've heard it, hopefully what you're hearing from Mark as he's sharing is even though this might be new to you, you see the importance and the priority of this because on the back end, if it doesn't happen, it really affects our decision-making. And as an entrepreneur, it's all about you know, decision-making, right? Your boss is making decisions, but even as a manager or a director, there's a certain level of your responsibility and your decision-making that affects more people. So as a manager or director, as you're going through the day, making decisions is part of leadership and seeing the importance of flow state is exciting. Um, I'd also like to talk about maybe something that people do at a different level. There's a lot of people right now that's listening in that actually even just started you know, they're brand new, maybe they're working at home and they started a new position. So they're new into managing or directing, you know, and they have a responsibility of people. Um, so part of that is hiring and interviewing and networking. And I know you have some great content in that for, for managers and directors. Um, could you share anything about in, in, that, in that area for hiring and kind of building a team?
1: Yeah, let's start with hiring because most companies get this wrong. Now, companies will tell you, people are our most important asset. People are so important, it's all about the right people. And if you think about your team, if you have a team of six people, if one of them was not the right person, that is 16% of your team who is now suboptimal, right? That's a significant portion. If you were delivering 16% less returns, 16% less sales, that's a disaster for the company. So if your team is performing one sixth down, Mm -hmm. That is not good. So we want to get the right people for our team, for our department. Mm -hmm. But we go in with this approach of, okay, hey, Jordan, uh, I've got this candidate coming in. Why don't you talk to him? Tell me if you like him. And that's it. That's literally what we say to people. You've had no training. No one ever sat you down and said, let's talk about how to interview and what we want to look for and how to do it. I said, Jordan, you've been interviewed before. I know because we hired you. So great. Go interview this person. Let me know what you think. It's a disaster. We never say, hey, you've seen people drive cars, right? Okay. Here are the keys. Best of luck to you. We train them, (laughs) but we don't train people how to interview. Mm. And so even if we spend just an hour or two thinking about What is it we want to do in our interviews? How can we interview better? We get a massive return. So what we want to do, it begins with the job description. What are we hiring for? And most job descriptions, well, they need to have this knowledge and this experience. Okay, great, the candidate needs that. But what else might she need? Are there certain characteristics? We say, oh, we want a good communicator. Okay, what does good communicator mean? Does that mean she's very articulate? Does that mean she can stand in front of a group of 100 people and deliver an inspiring speech? Does that mean she writes really concise emails? Mm -hmm. Does that mean she can explain technical ideas to non-technical people? Those are all different ways to be a good communicator. You probably don't need all of those skills. So let's think about what actually you need. Let's also think about in that laundry list of experience and things you want the person to do, they're not all equal. There might be seven different tasks that you do in this job. But one of them is 50% of the time, and then two of them are 20% each, and then the rest a few percent. So we want to wait how competent people are at some things, not the others. And we want to be explicit about this, particularly because we might not know it's exactly 50, 20, 20, and something else. In fact, I might think this new position or this person the role as it's going to change over next year, it might be 70% A, 30% B, and you're thinking the opposite. Well, that's really important because I'm really trying to find someone good at A. You're saying it's more important to find someone for B. Did we talk about that or are we just optimizing for different things? Right. So we want to be very explicit in our job descriptions about what is it we're hiring for, not just skills and experience. And then how are we going to elicit this and making sure everyone is on the same page. And even putting a little bit of time doing this, it's like the difference between having zero driving lessons and even an hour or two of driving lessons. You are so much better after an hour or two.
0: <laughs> I love the analogy. I'm just picturing like what a dangerous, you know, what, what dangerous roads would we have if we, ha- if we just handed out driver's license without any training at all? And taking that same analogy, like how dangerous is the workspace? Is the space that we dedicate so much time to? You know, if, a lot of you, us, right? <laughs> if you've
1: ever said, how come all these idiots seem to work at this company? This is your answer because we just handed people the keys.
0: Wow. Wow. I love it. I love analogies. They, they point such a, a a beautiful picture on sometimes what we might push against, right? It, sometimes it challenges what we're comfortable with. You know, maybe there's a lot of comfort. I'm, not, I'm just thinking about a few clients that I work with. And when it comes to hiring, even for myself, it's it's surprising how much times it's skipped over because they're not confident in it because there was no training in there, you know? So it's kind of like, hey, I like this person, did they look cool, let's hire them, you know? But in a stressful situation, people respond completely differently, you know? So having that training of how you interview people is very, very important. Um, if we had to do a crash course, If you had to tell me one thing, I'd love to know. If somebody's listening right now, I'd love to make it super practical. Somebody's driving and thinking right now, maybe something resonated that you said, and they're like, hey, no one ever trained me in how to interview or hire. What would be one thing that we could give them today on a podcast to say, hey, on your next interview, take this or do this or prepare like this? What would that one thing be?
1: There's a bunch of things you can do, but the best thing is pair up in your interviews, so if a candidate comes in, you and I are going to interview her together, you're going to ask some questions, I'm going to ask some questions, and I'm going to pay attention to the questions you're asking go, oh, wow, Jordan, that was a great question. Okay, I've got to use that or a similar thing. Or, hey, I noticed you're focusing a lot on A, we don't really talk about B, maybe we should make sure in the interview for other candidates we get to be. And we cover some of that. So by pairing with each other, by watching each other and learning from each other, we can overall start to improve. So have that discussion after we sit down together and both interview that candidate. Let's just do that meta discussion. Hey, these questions, was it was it helpful? What did we learn? Okay, we need to ask more of this, less of that. And this way
0: we can all start growing together. Wow. Wow. That's great. That's great advice. Guys, like we said, we always encourage you in the podcast, if you're listening in, write down notes. I gave you a little heads up in the beginning to have a writing tool ready. That's definitely something I would highly encourage you to write down two words, pair up, pair up. You're already right there and you can great. that will be a great thing to start with. Once again, Mark said there's much more. That's not going to be your final answer, but it's a great place to start. But well, Thanks, Mark. Um, I'd love to to even think, um, maybe if we can dive into a little bit about the a, another part. I know you work with different levels and different skill sets. They're all essential. What would be if you had to pick one that's been reoccurring lately, that you've been hearing from the people that you're working with, you know, when you're working with managers or directors, or you know in that sense, what's something, what's a question, a popular question right now that's happening?
1: Well, communication time and again. I have seen communication problems, companies complain communication is terrible. And this means many things. And this was true pre-pandemic, it only got worse once COVID hit. Communication can mean just being aware of what is happening, what's going on in the company. Hey, did you know this project is three weeks behind? Oh, no one told you? Okay, that was a communication problem. And so communicating ideas to keep everyone in the loop, how we communicate those ideas on individual level, how I explain what's going on to you, particularly when you are in a certain discipline that has specialized knowledge. I work in technology. Oh, well, the AWS servers have a scaling issue because we've got a database contention issue. what, (laughs) what does that mean to you, (laughs) right? Right? I know what Mm -hmm. that means, Uh but that isn't meaningful to you. How do I explain to you, well, right now our servers aren't scaling because it turns out we're doing so many operations per second that's getting backed up. It's like, oh, wow. a lot of operations per second. That sounds like a good thing. But okay, well, what does that mean we have to do in the business? Maybe we have to queue things up or batch them together. Maybe that changes our business processes. And you're not the tech guy, like, well, that solves my problem, but it changes the business process. And that's your area. And you might say, wait, we can or can't do this. So when we are in a certain discipline, and this is true of all disciplines, to some extent, we all have our jargon, we all have our models, but particularly for those of us in certain more specialized fields, we need to make sure we communicate these ideas to people without that background. And we communicate the right information in a timely and
0: effective manner wow i mean the word that pops into mind because um when you say communication and when you guided us through that is like being able to have many different languages and and not be experts in them but just having enough to connect with them you know because we have like you said our jargon right our inside our internal language our internal um words that make sense to us and how we're saying things and how we're communicating but at the same time if it's if it's if it's more confusing to the person we're talking to, you know, it doesn't communication is broken, right? So understanding, like, okay, I may have learned it this way. Um, the the way that's coming to mind right now is for a year, for for what five years? Five years I worked in children's ministry, and it was something that was just totally random. And when I got in there, I was I always tell, I always told people a funny story. I told them that I would have never signed up to volunteer in here. know sometimes you get these assignments you're just like okay and but going there what i've learned one of the things that really stood out to me is how we take these big principles and we would make it for a kindergartner and we'd make it for a fifth grader you know and it it would challenge me it helped me grow a lot in my growth where how do we take this same principle and make it so they receive it well and in communication it's all about is the message being received like you said right like we can be talking a lot we can be moving a lot a lot of noise but are they hearing what we're trying to say? So that's a constant question, and that's really that, that's actually pretty interesting. That that's that comes up a lot, right? We notice in communication. Do you think that sh- that shifts from a startup, or you know, maybe in a growth from brand new and in, in a brand new leader, like the first time being maybe I'm a manager for a couple of people, and then compared to if I'm overseeing an entire organization,
1: it's the same principles, but happens at different scales. Because the way you might manage five people, we don't need a lot of formal processes. We get together once a week, we have our maybe Slack channel or email list, or we're literally just sitting in the same room. And you know, I can hear when you walk over and talk to Alice and you guys seem really concerned, you feel know, like, oh wait, something's happening over there. I know it because it's happening six feet away. When I'm managing an apartment of 300 people, I don't know that you and Alice are having this conversation that's really concerning. I'm not on an email list of 300 people. If I am, I'm certainly not following all the emails. So it's it's just at different levels. You have to figure out how to scale it up. But here's the thing you have to do as a manager. Your job is to make sure the right people have the right conversations at the right time. That is the key to being a manager. Make sure the right people have the right conversations
0: at the right time. I, t- I took a moment to write that down. That was yeah. a good. That was good. Yeah, if you
1: think about what we do with work, it's not about you having all the answers, and that's a big change because as individual contributors, right, That's what we do is we create, we get answers. As a manager, you don't have all the answers. That's why you have the team, and your job is to help the team get all the answers. And you do so by making sure not that you're going to say, "Hey, everyone, I know the answer now. Just repeat what I'm telling you." It's how do I help make sure you
0: guys get all the answers. Right. And and all those components are so are so key. The right people, you know, seeing who needs to be in the room. Because you know, that, that just makes me think. Have you ever have you ever been a person that walks in and everybody knows what's going on and you're left out and you're like, wait, what's going on? You know, like you want to make sure you, you include everybody that's part of that decision, everybody on the team, everyone that needs to know that information. So as a manager, you're saying having the right people, I love that. That's a great component to have. Um, the right conversation, right? We don't want it to go way off course, right? Because that could be more confusing because we have more knowledge on things that isn't relevant to what we're working on. And now now we're talking to the right people, but we're not having the right conversations. So what is the conversation? I know for me, one thing that really helped, a practical thing is having an agenda for a meeting. Even if it's a small meeting, having a specific agenda, that way we can always come back to, when it starts to go off course, we can pull everyone back to, okay, we're here for this, reason and come back. Have you found that success? And is there anything else you kind of found as you work with people to make sure that the conversation stays on, on, on course?
1: So that's exactly right. An agenda really helps. And being very clear, what are we trying to accomplish in this meeting? One thing that we find happens over and over again is a meeting kind of morphing. So you and I and the others on our team, maybe we have a weekly status meeting on this project. But then as things oh, well, you know what? Let's just have uh, Barbara join this meeting because, well, she needs to meet with four of us and we're ready in the meeting. And so she'll just come in and give her updates in this meeting. Of course, four of us, not five of us. Oh, and then, well, if Barbara's in here, we also need to bring in Dave. Okay, so Dave's in as well. And then, well, the project's winding down, but this is a useful meeting. Oh, and there's this other stuff we have to talk about. But really only you and I need to be there, not the rest of our team. But the meeting just kind of morphed from project status meeting, to, well, this other meeting we have once a week where we talk about these things, and then all of a sudden it's not all the right people. There might be other people who should be there we didn't think about. There are people in there who probably don't need to be in there for half of it or 90% of it. It might not even be at the right frequency. Maybe this should be a monthly meeting, but we had on the calendar as a weekly meeting or vice Mm -hmm. versa. So meetings tend to morph over time. You wanna be very deliberate in, this meeting is for this purpose, and you might say, you know what, this meeting served its purpose. We'll have the same meeting with four of us, plus Barbara and Dave. and it's going to happen every other week. And that's what we'll do going forward. But we're going to be explicit in that decision and not just have that momentum of, well, it's already on the calendar. Right. That's how we wind up with all these zombie
0: meetings. Wow, well, zombie meetings. Wow, that strikes a chord, right? I mean, who, if you're listening to this, have you ever felt like a zombie when you're in a meeting? What, what is the saying? When you're in meetings that could have been emails, you know, that it could have been an email, but you're in a meeting that took up your day and you're like, I could have got things done. A constant um, challenge, you know, what we have as we're learning to lead better as a manager and director. But some really good things to to to, to hear today, you know, with having a spe- that specific focus of an agenda now, that morphine meeting, I mean, that was gold. You know, if you're if you're writing anything down, I definitely say, guys, take notes, write that down, come back, listen to it again, ask questions. There'll be ways that I'll provide that you can reach out to Mark um, and ask him. And we'll, we'll even do some live Q&As on different social media platforms. I want to drop that right now if you're listening in. That way you get a chance to hear this today, it's recorded, but actually go ahead and write down questions too that you, that you might have, that you're hearing Mark kind of guide us to. That way you can join us on some live Q and A's get, and get your question asked in real time. You know, a morphine meeting, I mean, that that that's huge because that happens gradually. And if we're not paying attention to it, we could be wasting people's time. We could be frustrating people and we could be frustrating ourselves as we're trying to lead better and manage people and direct in that role. Um, so thank you for that, because like you said, this is essential things that no one taught you. I mean, that's the toolkit that you're talking about, the book, right? The book is The Career Toolkit. And I love that because it's all about equipping people. And they have the tools in this book that you mentioned to be equipped with essential skills for success that no one taught you. <laughs> why, why is it that no one teaches this? I'm curious. Why, why did you find that these are skills that isn't taught in maybe formal education?
1: High school was designed for the industrialized world. When we moved off of the farms into the factories and the skills you needed were reading, writing, arithmetic. You did not need to know how to network. You did not need strong communication skills to sit on the factory line. So high school really wasn't focused on trying to develop those skills in the workforce. At college level, colleges were really oriented around deep domain knowledge. And if you think about your college degree, if you get a degree in let's say uh, marketing, well, what happened is the marketing professors who have PhDs who are very smart and knowledgeable marketers say, well, if you wanna say you're a marketer, you need to take all these classes, some intro classes, some intermediate, pick a few advanced classes. If you do all that, and the university might make you take a math class, a language class, whatever else they're throwing in. But if you take all these marketing classes, we are going to give you a degree saying you have a bachelor's in marketing. All that degree says is you have acquired marketing knowledge. It doesn't say you're a good marketer. It doesn't say you're a good employee or a good teammate or a good leader. It just says you've learned a certain level of marketing knowledge. Mm -hmm. And we've used that as a proxy for you will be an effective worker, but at no point did we ever say, well, you need to learn these other skills to be effective to get this degree.
0: Wow. Wow. Um, So, so true. So true. And so real for myself and for I'm sure for a lot of people listening in right now, maybe helping um, dispel that kind of underlying frustration. If you're somebody that has a role as a manager or director and you want to do well and you're trying your hardest with everything you've got, with everything you've been taught, but only to realize that these are some things that you haven't been taught. And now listening in today, um, as we're hearing from Mark, this is a way that we can actually get a toolkit to learn, not only learn the knowledge of it, but actually the application of it um, in real time, you know, in real time, every day in the role, which is, um, in, in my experience, the best way to be taught. You know, it's really connecting what, what, in our language, what we say, connecting the head, the heart, and the hand in leadership. You know, not just kind of having it stop in our head, but getting it in your heart where you believe it and actually going out there and serving and going in the day-to-day grind of leadership. So thank you for that. I'm really excited with it. Um, on this, On this one, we're specifically talking about essential skills, for managers and directors and I want to also encourage you that we're going to have another conversation another uh, episode with Mark also because what he does also expands for those that have a business you know entrepreneurs so that'll be on another episode I just want to drop that in right now to just in case sometimes people are bivocational or working on their job or building their dream in a sense and if you're doing that I also want to encourage you to check out that podcast episode too because we'll have a great conversation with Mark and He's going to share more on that. Mark if there's one thing on today's apple show there was a lot of a lot of great notes a lot of value that you added I want to thank you. If there's one thing that you could share with somebody that's in that situation of a manager or director of people that would be very actionable. Very actionable that they can do today. What would that be?
1: Download my app. It is a free app. I am not tracking you, not advertising, not charging you. It's a free app. And it has a lot of the great content from the book. And the reason I say to do this is because on the app, each day it's gonna pop up a little notification, a little reminder, some of those tips and nuggets that you got today, that's what's gonna pop up. The thing about management, it is not like learning how to use social media. You go, oh, now I know how to post on Twitter. Okay, great. Well, next time you're at the Twitter app, you say, oh, I know how to post. Then you put Twitter away and say, I don't need to worry about how to post as I'm eating dinner or in a meeting. But these management skills don't have that well-defined, oh, I opened the management app, time to manage. It's going to come up organically throughout the day. And so if you just say, well, I read the book, I listened to the podcast, great, I learned it. And then you move on, you're going to forget. So by having the app, this is called Spaced Repetition. It is a proven model of learning. And so just that little reminder every day, it pops up. You look at it, go, oh, there's a good tip. Swipe it away. That's going to help reinforce it. And it's going to improve your managerial skills over time. So you can download the free app. In fact, you can get that and a whole bunch of other things from my website. If you go to thecareertoolkitbook.com, There you can get in touch with me. You can learn more about the book, follow me on social media. You can also go to the app page It will take you to the Android or iPhone store where you can download it for free. There's also a whole resources page of other great books and free online resources to help you be a better manager. All of this at thecareertoolkitbook.com
0: outstanding if you're listening to this you might have just you you, you, maybe you feel like you just won the grand prize at the part at at the company party you know that feeling at the annual party christmas party and you got the big winner you just won because of all of these resources that mark is providing that had a lot of work that went into it by, by building an app look at that and thank you for that what i love about that is that it's you can do that today if you're listening right now you can take that action and guess what and the app will continue the action back it will continue. It's brilliant. It will continue to provide that those reminders, you know, um, so we can continue to grow. Because I once heard it, you know, said where leadership isn't developed in a day, it's developed day by day, you know. So w- what a beautiful way to actually go ahead and just take an action today. Go ahead, download the app, get connected to Mark, see what he's talking about, learn more about it. Because you and I know, if you're listening to this, this podcast was of great value. I, I enjoyed the conversation and we continue to step forward every day. Mark, I got a question for you off the um, Oh, before I jump into that, all of the all the links that Mark mentioned will be in the in the description. So you can click right on that. If you're watching this on video on YouTube, you'll see it pop up or we'll pop it on the screen It may it may have popped up already. But I'll provide that visual so you can see that too. But I'll, I'll, I'll want you to um, know if you're listening to this, and you're driving or something else don't 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 turn off the road to write it down. I know you might be excited, but just make sure that you go into the job into the description and all of the notes will be in there so that you can click and you can get the app and get connected to Mark. Mark, we like to keep things on. Um, we like to learn more about the person that we talk to, also the special guests that we have, which is yourself. And the question that I have for you today is that if you could describe to us maybe your first leadership role, the first role that you had that you'd say, That was the start of your leadership journey. We'd love to hear that today.
1: There was no one job where I became a leader. And this is very important because often people think, well, I will be a leader when I get this title, when I am a manager, a director, I have these people under me. That is when you have authority, but that's not when you're a leader. You become a leader the day you influence other people. So from your first day on the job, when you say, hey, here's an idea, here's a direction we should go in and convince others to follow that idea, then you've become a leader. And I did that who knows how long ago in some unmemorable meeting, but that's when all of our leadership journeys begin.
0: (laughs) Another action point we can take today, we can make that decision that you'll be a leader, whether you have the role or not. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome, Awesome, Mark. Thank you for that. Guys, go ahead and make sure if you're listening in here, a highly engaged group that you guys are part of and you guys keep the community really engaged and growing, right? We're always trying to grow and move forward. The last question that we have, Mark, today, as a community that's trying to grow and move forward, we're trying to get better in all that we do. We like to really host, Guests, well, you know we 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 value the time that you take you've taken to share with us here. Um, you know everything that you've built and, and worked up to, and everything that you've worked on with an app and a book and the people that you work with. And you took time to share with us today, and we valued that. We like to host you well, and we like to just ask, how was your time here on leadership's podcast? This
1: was fantastic. We talked about things I am passionate about hopefully helped a number of people on their leadership journey. So I've had a great time.
0: Outstanding. Outstanding. Where do you guys go? Um, if you're listening to the podcast, remember, look for, get connected to to myself. I'll have the links there. Get connected to Mark. Uh, I'll provide the links too. And the reason is because there'll be a chance to join us on a live Q&A so you can ask more questions about what we talked about in today's episode. With that being said, we'll wrap up for today's episode. Be sure to to join us on the next one when we hear once again from Mark that he'll share a lot of these essential skills for entrepreneurs. That's it for today. We'll say goodbye today. Thanks, Mark.